podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is City Talk, the Anfield rap, Neil Atkinson. I've got John Gibbons and Paul Cope with me. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking about the Blackburn game. We're going to have done that straight afterwards, so you'll hear that. That will be part of this show as well. For that, I'll have Paula Murphy and Mo Stewart. I'm also getting joined by Ian Salmon and Alex Bailey. It is Radio City Talk, it is the Anfield rap, and it is always a cast of thousands. We're really pleased to be able to give you so many different voices talking about Liverpool Football Club. But there is one thing that dominates today, and it is that Liverpool have signed Alisson. They have got themselves a world record fee for a goalkeeper and let's sort of start at that point I'd say John a world record fee for a goalkeeper to go with a world record fee for a centre-back it's intriguing this to me you know normally that's not what managers do normally they front load the money and they presume they can coach the defence I'm not saying Klopp's doing the complete opposite but it does sort of make sense for the way in which he goes about his business to want goalkeepers and centre-backs with a ton of assurance a ton of quality so he can focus his energies on what's going to help Liverpool win games of football I think for those areas is he's I think he's seems to have decided or the football club seems to have decided that there's only so many really good ones, so let's just get one of them and pay what it is, and that's something I can get fully on board with really. I think he's looking at the goalkeeper situation and saying, Look, I, I know I need one, I know to need to go out and get one. It's not the case. I think for attacking players, and I don't know if you guys agree, but a few attacking players I think it's slightly different because I think there's more quality, but also there's more variance, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So there's more kind of, oh, well, this guy could do a bit of this, or this guy could do a bit of that. And you're always having a bit of a trade-off, depending on what you want for those positions. Whereas the thing for the keeper, look, everyone knows who the belters are, and, and everyone knows that there's not loads of them about at the moment for whatever reasons. And so it's either go out, pay the money, get him. Like there's been Van Dyke, and I think Van Dyke working really well, I think's infused everyone as well. So it's like, yeah, we knew he'd be boss, and we knew he paid the money, and he's boss. And so I think that sort of makes has made everyone's decision on Alisson a little bit easier as well so look they've gone out they've paid the money um, and I'm really excited because I've already seen him so many times but everyone we've spoken to including people you know on reaction shows on tour player this week have just been so positive about him and so kind of limited and negative that I can't wait to see him in a Liverpool shirt it's it's much about You'd think trying to box the. It's interesting. It's a six-year deal, Paul. It's this idea. I think that let's get this position boxed for as long as we can. Mm. Similar noises came out around Van Dyke that you know the age that he was. This was this move into Liverpool when he did was Van Dyke the biggest move of Van Dyke's career. Now, Allison, it might not be goalkeeper's age in a different way, mm. and when the, you know there might be one more move in him or something like that. But it does sort of feel as though. You know, the manager's just gone, I just want this sorting out. How do we get this sorting out? And as John says, who's the best one we can get? And you get the impression Liverpool have looked around when they've seen the fee, they've looked at alternatives, and in the end someone's gone, should we just get the best one we can get? And that's been the way in which this has worked. Yeah, when you and I were talking off off air a few days ago and about an idea that which I which I think there is a there's a good argument for this, that you can almost treat your entire football club as two separate parts, one goalkeepers and two everybody else. Because even going back to what John was saying, I would I wonder if internally there's a, there's a bit of a feeling that, yeah, you can get a wide attacker or a centre midfielder or a striker and you can develop him. You can look at someone and say, we know where we can, we can take him from X to Y yeah. with, with our coaching. And I wonder if they just look at goalies and think that's, just it's just not, but it's just not like that with goalies. They need to play. They need to. They need to get that in practice. When it's not the same as with other lads. We like where Klopp saying the, the training's all. It's all about the training, and we get them to a different level in training. So I think it's one of the things for for all of us is I think it's quite comforting what they've done. 
that they have just done what you've said, which it seems like. Well, these are the options. You can sort of you can almost picture the conversation around the table, can't you? Here are the options, Jürgen. We can go go for this lad, but he's going to cost us seventy million. Or we can have one of these, or we can stick with what you've got. And I think we were talking about this on a gutter last week that if I think if you look at the other options aside from Allison and Oblak, you're very much I think if you're Jürgen saying they're all much for muchness. I can buy Casper Schmeichel as basically a PR thing because these fans can't watch these lads anymore in goal but he's actually not that much better than Carrius a, a, a fully informed Carrius and with no psychological issues and no injuries I just don't see there's that much of a difference and then when you're looking at that then it's like well it's worth spending an extra 30 or 40 million to get a, a boss one because he is well better than everybody else and, and it's sorted out and the other thing I think is really important is something we discussed about Van Dijk last season for the crowd I think it's really important in a position like this and centre-back for you to have the most expensive one in the world. Because we've seen with Van Dijk, Van Dijk gets, let, get a, gets away with loads of mistakes. Like re- really, some really clinical mistakes. He had one, I, one sticks in my head at Old Trafford where Juan Mata put an over a kick wide. And, and, and Van, he had all day. Van Dijk had just gone walk about, yeah. completely walk about. And if that's Lovren, he gets slaughtered. But there's a, I think there's this psychological thing for the crowd of, well, he's the, he's the most expensive one in the world. He's literally the best one you can get. So if he's making mistakes, I think you just have to suck them up. And I'm hoping that's sort of a similar thing with the goalies because he is going to make mistakes. Yeah, and and maybe and hopefully get away with them as well. And I think that helps. The Van Dijk just seems to get away with this one. Where it's love, and, love <laughs> yeah. it's like the kid in school who can't get away with anything. Yeah, any, he gets caught he? with everything. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know maybe you'd be in that. Yeah, he gets situation. the note passed to him. The note's yeah, gone through eight yeah, pairs exactly. of hands. And suddenly, here's Dexy with the note. <laughs> Dexy, are you passing notes? Yeah, yeah. Just laughing his head off. You know, it, it is it is that with, with with some people, isn't it? Would you rather have a good Gemma or a lucky one? And but I mean, we'll have to see see with Alison, which which one of those he is. Hopefully, both. But it's great they've gone out and sourced it, and you you just feel like we're really close now to having having a really good team and a really good eighteen, and, and that's exciting as well. Obviously, the Oxley Chamberlain news is, is gutting for for him especially, but also for for those of us who are looking forward to watching him next season. But still, aside from that, you know we you know we look in a really good position, and we look like you're struggling now to say, well, what are Liverpool's weaknesses? And that's not to say that I don't think. There's areas where we could improve, and that's not to say that I, I won't be a, a touch disappointed if, if that's it for our business now. Like like has been sort of hinted at in, in a couple of places uh, in the last couple of days. But we've done we've done great this window. We've done really really well so far, and and you look around and at what other clubs are struggling really and I'm, I'm not talking about you know mid-table sides like Everton I'm talking about you know the ones at the top you yeah. know like the Spurs haven't done anything yeah. like nothing they haven't even sold anyone yeah. and so like you know they, they must be looking around at Liverpool and going like, they mean business this mm. season well we'll come on to talk about that after the, after 7 o'clock and, and we'll also come on to talk about Oxley chamberlain after the break because I think it is interesting but the other thing that there is with Alisson Paul is I, I saw, I've probably seen him play two lots of 90 minutes that are on against Liverpool last season for Roma no more than that I also saw him in the World Cup for Brazil and it's fair to say the home and away against Liverpool he lets in seven and it's fair to say you know the Brazil it's not you know he doesn't have a lot to do and they go out uh, and so you're not a bit like nah mm. but the videos of them the compilations of the saves the thing that strikes me about every single time I watch them and I've watched a fair few of them now is I'd struggle to pull that together for the last three seasons of Mignolet and Carius. I genuinely struggle to get what he's done in the last season for Roma together, that quality, that number of saves. And it might be that he's a bit busier or something like that, but I don't think it is. They came third in Italy. Yeah. You know, he can't be that much busier and 
some of the saves are phenomenal. Before you even get into his stats around his passing and his distribution, yeah. just simply the stuff there he's stopping that he should he should have no business getting near. Yeah, well, and we'd got to a point where we were we were, well, I personally had got to a point where I was just happy us having a lad who can catch and kick, just basics. That's where I'd got to. So the fact that we're bringing in this lad, and as you say, those compilations, chatting to John before about something I love about him is just he's massive. And I know that's dead basic. And, and I know we, we live in an era now where you get really sort of, we all get into the stats. And there was a great thread on Twitter yesterday about um, literally like breaking down him against Edison and different different types of passes. And better in the final third or the, the, the third nearest to him. And, all. and you're like, fantastic. But I often think of my granddad who, who passed away a long time ago now. And think, he'd just laugh at all that. And, and literally things like having a massive goalkeeper is good. Like, if you're doing a tick list as a football club, Peter Schmeichel was absolutely massive. Massive. So when he's on a corner and people say, who's coming for this? He goes, I'm coming for this because I'm bigger than all of you and you can't beat me. And I've got my arms. I've got my arms. And and we've literally had goalkeepers who even with their arms and can jump and catch the ball, can't beat a fella who can only use his head. And it'll just be nice for, for a change to have just some massive fella who... Fills the goal. The James Horncastle thing was interesting on that, wasn't it? The, when you talk about players, goalkeepers who fill the goal, when, for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a great Sky Sports thing with Peter Schmeichel from months ago where it was brilliant. It was like a Monday night football thing. Talk about how he played and it just made such perfect sense and it was all quite basic stuff. He was like, yeah, I'd have really mad tops and I'd have them three sizes too big for me. And then when I come out and spread myself, the striker can't see the goal anymore. So what does he do? And that sounds that sounds dead basic, but when you think about it, and you take all the stats away. You're like, and when you're playing football dead fast, yeah. What do you do? And literally, like the, the way to beat Peter Schmeichel back then was to be as good as Robbie Fowler and lob him. But you I can't see the, the goal. I love the idea, by the way, of Schmeichel going down to Umbro like in November or something, yeah. or the next year's kids going. It's not mad enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. You need you need more yellow in that, mate. Yellow doesn't go with those colours exactly. You used to have all dashes in and stuff, <laughs> exactly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Blair that was Schmeichel. Listen, we're going to have a chat about the fact that Liverpool may or may not have beaten Chelsea too because football is a lie. Uh, Rafa Benitez is a very wise man. That'll be coming up after the break. We'll also have a chat about the Fakir chat that's gone on around Oxlade-Chamberlain, the incoming business and the outcoming business. It is the Anfield Rapid is Radio City Talk. Give us a sec. It's John Gibbons here with Neil Lackerton and it's a read-through. I've got some good news for you, Neil. Go on. It's the read through of a product we definitely like. Go on. It's Beer 52. Oh, get in. <laughs> I mean, you know, that Beer 52 and the band, the B-52s, are my favourite things revolving the letter B and the number 52. And I think that, you know, but, but both, you know, um, George's finest in, in the B-52s and Beer 52 have got one hell of a fantastic product, um, which, you know, makes me make me filled with love and excitement. Yeah, this is this is a good one because, yeah, so we like it. Uh, and we've done it before and we know you like it and so people got in touch last time saying that they, they tried it the base that they were sent were really good and they've either kept the subscription on or decided to leave it there so we know it's popular with you guys we know it's popular with us they haven't sent us any on this occasion have they not sent us any of the actual beer yet not, not this time but, but I reckon I can lean on them oh, well, you know if you want to put some pressure on we've had, the, we've had the beer in the past and what I really liked about it uh, firstly was that it was varied this is really important one of my favourite things so I love I obviously love a beer yeah. And, you know, anyone who's, who's spent any sort of quality time listening to the Anfield Rapper have got that sense whether, you know, we do very much want you to consume your alcohol in an appropriate and, and proportional way, but it is fair to say that we do like a drink. Um, I love 
trying new beers and tasting things. Do you know what I like? And this is going to sound like the sort of thing you shouldn't say. I'm one of these. I quite like one that you don't like. Right. I like yeah, to drink yeah. a beer when you get it and you go, I'm, I'm not, I'm not having this. I'm not sure about this. And then you get to taste it with friends and sort of go, if you're, you know, you're sitting around or you're doing a table like this one and someone else, someone, oh no, I'm banging into that. And I actually quite like that. And I like because, but firstly, what it does is I don't want to like all the beer <laughs> because that's where you've got to start to worry. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not sure about this one, but, but it's hitting the spot. It sort of means it's all the same then as well. Exactly, it's it? not all yeah. the same. Uh, I really like the beer 52 stuff. Whenever they've sent us stuff, I've really enjoyed the offering. Uh, I was getting it delivered for a, for, for a while. I can't remember why I stopped. Actually, it might have been around the time of the move um it's it's really really it's a really good idea uh, it, it's one of those ones where you can like it's the internet being good yeah it's capitalism and the internet mostly being good <laughs> and i'm very much in favor of it it's 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 something which gets you variation it's something that gives you options it's hard like i used to live in um like used to live in the city like it was like it was ages ago even living in town you know you it's actually harder than you think there's there's to actually go to a shop that's got varied beers, it's harder to find one than you would think. Um, so the idea that someone turn, they turn up to your house with a wide variation of beers is really, really good and really, really cool. And it just also helps. Like I like to go, I I sort of like to obviously when you're having a pint out as well. I don't want to just go for the obvious stuff. So if you've tried something and you think something looks a bit like that, that's pretty cool as well. I am very much in favour of this product. I hope it is coming over, listeners. <laughs> well, okay. So for those who don't know, anyway, Beer Fifty Two is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. Um, so the search out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them to your members every month uh, focuses on a new country or a theme if you can sign up now do you know what this month's is was this month's country or theme yeah it's a th- more of a theme than a country is it world cup it's summer bangers summer bangers <laughs> wow there's a lot of buzzwords for us in this isn't good it good god so summer bangers uh, and you can try the summer bangers selection for free so that's what they're doing for our listeners do you get a free beer on a DJ Cozy album <laughs> they're sending out eight uh, craft beers for you for free there's also their ferment magazine which talks about beers kind of around the world and a snack I've got no idea what the snack is um, you know it's probably something that goes with beers or they would really like if it was wildly appropriate <laughs> something absolutely bananas yeah. like, maybe like, even bananas maybe even an actual banana <laughs> but I'm sure it's something like nuts or something like that but yeah that's what they're doing for you now so they're doing this for free all you pay is the £2.95 postage and they'll get all that so if you go to beer52.com forward slash rap that's obviously rap spelled W-R-A-P you should Excellent. do that by now surely if you listen to this beer52.com forward slash rap do and, it and claim you are signing up for a subscription service but you cancel or pause at any time so if the beer's coming it's not really for you or you decide that you don't want to go forward at this stage you can cancel or pause and you will just pay that 295 for your eight beers but if you do really like it and i know a lot of you did last time then then carry on and you'll be getting eight, eight beers uh through the post every month which is a different theme uh country uh autumn lovelies or something will be coming up in it <laughs> in september what it is uh, yeah so that is um get a copy of john's new magazine autumn lovelies <laughs> But that is Beer 52. It's beer spelled as in obviously beer and then 52 the number. So www.beer52.com and forward slash wrap. Do that uh, in the next sort of week or so or the next few days and you will get the Summer Bangers selection. And why would you not want the Summer Bangers selection? So there it is, Beer 52, a product we can genuinely endorse. Rock Lobster. Welcome back. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. And it was sad, as John said before, Paul, about Oxlade Chamberlain. It was as much sad on a personal level. It was great for us to watch him, but to lose him and the way he must be feeling, thinking he's going to lose possibly 12, even 18 months of football, it's a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, it's it's amazing, actually, when you think back to when we signed him and how underwhelmed loads of fans were. For him, just think of that and think of the impact he's had in that time to be able to get an entire fan base 
not only believing him as a, as a footballer, but as a as a person. Like I, I think everyone buys into the fact he's a really he's a really nice lad, and all the stuff that came out about him saying, "Oh, I, I don't want to tell the team about the severity of my injury because I don't want to risk disrupting everything." It just it sort of all goes hand in hand. So it, it is. It's devastating for him. I think it's a it's a massive loss for for us as a as a club and a team going into a season where we we've got sort of we can envision envision having a having a crack at the league title because for me that raises the question of well do do we need one more then in in that area of the pitch because he was he was integral and, and we missed him like it, when you think about the, the final you think well what would it, what would an informed Chamberlain the, the lad who played against City what would they have added to that game so yeah it's a it's a massive blow it, it does raise questions which I've not really seen anyone else saying um, but I think it raises question marks about injury record as well again because it's not the first time he's he's missed chunks of seasons through injury so it's a big one for him to come back. Like it's very rare these days. So think about this the day. This is almost like Alan Shearer era of missing a season yeah. with a cruciate ligament injury. And I thought those days had gone. So for him to be for them to already be saying he's he's probably going to miss the entire season and he's already missed a few months. That's a big big injury to be getting over. It suggests to me there's a bit of a little bit of expectation management around it, John, in that it might be a, a 12 month injury. So, but they're not putting any pressure on the idea he's going to play games next April and May. You know, you get the impression that maybe yeah. we, it'll be one of them where maybe we'll hear he's back training in February. But if you're Klopp and you're the player, you're sort of, unless it's absolute panic stations, you are sort of looking at each other and going, should we just get to the end of this season, get a proper pre season in us, and then go from there? And you do get the impression with Klopp, he is prepared to give them time to heal, which maybe some of the managers in the past haven't had the room to do. But he does, it does raise the questions that simultaneously on the same day that that comes out, there's the manager making a lot of, I'm happy, I'm happy with what I've got noises. And the question on that is whether or not he's throwing a bit of toffee out, possibly to Leon around Fakir, or whether or not he's legitimately happy. And with the manager, I think as ever, the, 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 it's probably both. Yeah, I think if you look at the Alisson deal and, and the Alisson, how it went, you know, there's, there's stuff coming out saying, oh, you know, they'll be going to go in as Danny Ward as number one next season and Danny doesn't even look like he's going to have a squad number. <laughs> and so, like, you know, there's the stuff, the LFC's, you know, t- less than 24 hours before the bid was agreed, we were saying we hadn't even made a bid and so we are being, like, not just secretive, but, you know, telling a few porkies, which which, which is fine, you know what it's I mean? It's literally what you want. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 you know, so that's fine. So, so I'm not too worried about I'm with you. I think we need one or two more, and, I, and I'm, I'm not too worried about these stories coming out about um, play. You know, I'm, I'm happy with what we got. I'm sure they'll be looking to get one or two more on, on though. The Fakir one, though, on Fakir specifically, if you look at it objectively and you look at it as a as a as a lawyer like Copewood, there's absolutely no evidence that we're still interested in him. And so all the evidence is we wanted him. We had to look at him. That. We we had a look at his knee, and then we and then we ran a mile. That's what that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And so all that's happened since then is that there's been a lot of people going, "Oh, we'll surely go back in for them." And then the Leon president has ran his mouth off like someone who's desperately trying to sell a car that's knackered. And and that's all and that's all we've got. So I'm really surprised how many people have got not just some faith but really strong faith that we're, we're still in for Fakir whereas everything I've read you know if, I'm, if I was looking at it completely objectively I'd be saying well no they just said no based on his knee and then they've, and then they've not bothered ever since my, my, so as someone who would, who would argue who, who has some faith in it my thing is 
Liverpool were going to buy Shakiri. They were going to buy Fakir. They agree a fee for Fakir. The Shakiri thing's ongoing uh, underneath somewhere. And then they they get themselves into a situation where it doesn't happen, and that's absolutely fine. But then there's no one else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's not, even a, there's not even a concrete link that's come out to anyone else. Now, it might be that Liverpool are doing a Fabinho thing where it's all happening under the cover of the darkness and we've got no idea about it. And that could be the case. But my thing is, well... There's got to be someone else. Surely there's got to be someone else. Yeah, I mean, I think when people say, oh, we need to replace Coutinho, I think the idea was that Cater was always going to be the long-term sort of Coutinho replacement anyway. So I don't think it's a, oh, we need to replace Coutinho. I think it's just a case of, well, even if Coutinho was in, it's still here and Cater would never come in an alternative view universe. He just won't, would, would want one more. And so I understand that. What they might be doing is they might have their eye on someone more long term and the same. Well, someone from three-ish, nailed on from three rather yeah, than a bit of both. Yeah, exactly. And it might, um, you know, it's. I'd be look. I'd be more comfortable with one more. But I'm saying, in terms of Fakir, I'm not getting my hopes up personally because it just it it does look, you know, from an objective point of view, that they've decided that it's you know it's it's too it's too risky. I need one more belter. Yeah. Well, we've had this conversation a few times now, haven't we? We definitely need what. Well, I think we definitely need one more belter. I, the, the one thing I keep coming back to, which sort of gives me a bit of comfort, is we're, we're all working on the basis of three up front, and maybe Klopp's thinking I can change that. I don't need to have three up front, and I only need another belter in those areas if I've got three. So up my front my, all my argument with that is that if you're going to play something that looks a bit more like a four four two, which I can, you know, I'm, I haven't got a problem with Paul. Mm. He hasn't got many wide midfielders. And he certainly hasn't got many wide midfielders if he's lost Oxley Chamberlain for the season. That's where, you know, I think that I can... So I'm all behind the idea there's going to be a system change. We're yeah. going to do things a little bit differently. But very, very quickly, I'm looking at that going, well, you know, you haven't got a ton of lads who I think play, play in wide areas. Yeah, and I, but, and I think that's the biggest issue in the squad. If you just look at it as, as sort of a... That's, I, I remember last year talking about the idea of a balanced squad. And I don't, I don't think that's... I think it's a bit of a misnomer because balance sort of implies that you need loads of different lads of different types. And I think we've seen that isn't true. Like that's why Origi hasn't really kicked on is that we don't need, we don't need a variety of types. We need more of the same types. So we need an alternative to Firmino who is just like Firmino for when he's not there. And that's my concern, especially with the Oxley chamberlain thing is that if, if we've lost him, and okay, you can go, well, Lalana, Lalana's back, and, and what will he do? But, well, all right, are we back to relying on the fitness of Adam Lalana now? Because that hasn't worked out very well in the past. And, and I'm not comfortable with the idea that you're playing Adam Lalana right or left mid. He doesn't look that poor side of player anymore if he ever was. No, precisely that. So it's, it's all about the pace in those areas, isn't it, from what we've seen and the, and the players who've, who've thrived in, in those positions. So I don't know. I, there's still a part of me that thinks the whole Fakir thing is going to happen and. It's all just a bit of a smokescreen, and this the, the whole we're happy with it is just. You see, there's lawyer cope and businessman cope and businessman cope. <laughs> seen an opportunity. Yeah, the point he was saying then about the lawyers. We I've got a WhatsApp group with mates where it's basically all lawyers, and we had an interesting conversation. Yeah, it must the other be day. great, mustn't you? It, it, honestly, like the, the banter we have about about, about oh. legal terminology. <laughs> um, we were talking about there was rumour that we're put, trying to put a refund clause in, and we we were discussing how that would actually work, and how in business that's that's not unusual in certain circumstances, but then. We, the conclusion we came to was a bit of a dangerous precedent to set that though isn't it because then when we go to sell storage or rings people are like we'll have one of them refund clauses please lads and we're like no <laughs> <laughs> only we, we get that. that yeah 
There's rules around that. So, I mean, are you expecting, seriously, are you both expecting one more belter? Yeah, I'm expecting one more. Yeah. So the club can say what they like, and let's hope that our uh, our opponents aren't listening to the Anfield Rap Podcast City Talk on a Friday night. They might well be, but we are expecting I don't know more. who it is. So, you know, so yeah. that's not helping them. Yeah, and look, I'm actually, I'm delighted we've reached a point where the club is lying to everybody. <laughs> I, I can't, I couldn't tell you how happy I am about that. It's, I've been waiting for this for ages now. This is how the big clubs operate. We're, we're back to we're back to sort of walking I, and talking like a big club. One more thing before we before we speak to Ian Salmon about his play, just very quickly. There was the Daniel Sturridge comments this week, which were very much I see myself as part of this, and this is what I'm doing. Do we take them as a face value as well? Yeah, because I think I think Sturridge is probably looking at his contract situation and, go, and going, I'll just do another year and see what happens. And if it goes well, great. And if it doesn't, then I'm in a much better position to get myself a good deal somewhere else. Okay, more than fair enough. Let's spoke to Ian Salmon about his play, uh, which is being not revived. We have a chat about that in a minute, uh, but which will be on at New Brighton, and here's that conversation. Joined by Ian Salmon to discuss the revival. Can you have a revival at this stage? Is it just a second I, run? What's I, the language, Ian? You're, you're in the trade. I think I'd call it a second run. I don't think we second can call run. it a revival yet. I've had a, I've had a revival re, I've had a revival of a play, but there was a three-year gap. Right, that's um, a, that's this a revival. Been, yeah, that, that's so it's a these two weeks in the, Port Sunlight. It's those two weeks... Import sunlight. So it's the second time we've done it. We did it in we did it in March at the Unity. Um, two sold out nights. Friday the Sat- Friday and Saturday did four nights. Good houses every night, but Friday and Saturday sold out. Saturday we were sending people away at lunchtime. Which wow. Which is obviously as a writer that's a fantastic thing. Yeah, the idea word of mouth. That. Yeah, word of mouth is growing, and you can see people turned up and liable to get tickets, which is a frustration because you're looking at going. If I had one more night, we'd fill another night, and more people would see it. And all you want is for people to see it. So people had asked when we we're bringing it back. So we're going to bring it back at Port Sunlight. We'd had the chance to do it for two nights, 27th and 28th of July. It's the Gladstone Theatre, and the Gladstone Theatre is it's a gorgeous old-fashioned theatre, yeah. absolutely pristine. It's it's what you think of as your traditional theatre, and Port Sunlight obviously is one of the most beautiful villages on the planet it's a fantastic place unspoilt untouched since the 20s it's it's off a main road that looks like a normal main road you drive in and you're in a james bond film it's brilliant there are people playing crown green balls for people who remember the patrick McNee avengers it's like an episode of the avengers well but you want to be able to go to play not to go to port sunlight we do yeah <laughs> but port the, sunlight's but, a bonus but make a lovely time of it in port yeah. sunlight especially the fact that there is a railway station next to the theater there is one right next to the theater i was about to say it's really really convenient if people want to get out there and it is only it's, it's it's closer than people think if they're not on that side of the water it's just 12 minutes on the train yeah um it is also worth pointing out i think here that you know it's it's the same cast, isn't it? It's exactly the same cast, yeah. yeah it's, it's a fantastic cast. It's, it's one of these where you know, without sounding arrogant, you know how good your work is, you know how good the script is, but when you see a cast of this quality take it to a completely different level, the first time I walked into rehearsals, towards the end of the rehearsal process, what they'd done with the play absolutely astonished me. It, it, was, it was so impressive. I saw it every night. I, I have to stress there's a lot of comedy in this play but there's also a lot of um, emotion. So I was in tears every single night from the performances of the cast. That There are moments that I found heartbreaking. I know the audience has found absolutely heartbreaking, which, which is what we want from the play because there's a message we're putting over in those moments that we want people to, to really get. And to get that, you kind of you use the comedy to get people into it because it's a, it's a family saga, it's a family drama with a lot of the wit you would expect from a comedy in it. The key thing, very quickly, do the dates. The, the dates are 27th and 28th of July. Yeah. The tickets are £10 each. And it is, um, as anybody who's heard us talk about this on the show before, it's basically about the two weeks immediately prior to Hillsborough. 
ends on the 14th. So it ends late on the night of the 14th. It's not about the day itself. It's not about any of the people who were who were lost in the match. It's the story of how Liverpool was the last time that life was normal. For my generation, this is the last time that life was normal. It's about how difficult just normal life can be. But it is, it's a, it's a story I want to tell. I want to make a point about... My family's experiences, um, my initial life with my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, was like for a blue girlfriend to come into a red family, that kind of, the banter that can go on, the humour that can go on, and how easy it can be for a family to fall apart. Mine didn't, but how easy a family can fall apart just at the, the best of times. And to make a point that, that we, my generation, no, it could have been any of us at all. We know that any of us could be... Yeah. Could have lost people there. Yeah, I have my two brothers there. I know how easy it was that that waiting period. How easy it was to assume that you had lost people. And although the day isn't covered, that is very much at the heart of the play. There could have been any one of us. Lay it in there for us. So you go to Port Sunlight, twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Twenty seventh, twenty eighth, seven thirty p.m. Gladstone period, Gladstone Theatre, uh, seven thirty p.m. to see it. Uh, the revival, not a revival, the second run of uh, those two weeks uh, thank you very much indeed to Ian for coming in thank and talking much. to us about it uh, let's get back over and get back to the football it is your City Talk Reds Bet special Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons John hello there's two things really so this is the Reds Bet bit uh, we're with the Reds Bet the right through 2018 we do this all the time the slogans share the glory the idea is that they share their profits with Liverpool fan related causes we want you to gamble away and if you don't gamble don't worry about this this is the bit where we have a lovely big chat um, the lovely big chat the Red Bet specials are now all pertaining with the... There's a mad little couple for Blackburn, but that's already happened and we're pre-recording this, so just to give it away to the listeners. But the um, the mad bit is they've already... Next season is lined up, which I think is really interesting. So Liverpool to win the first four Premier League games, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Brighton and Leicester. Four to one? That's not big, is it? Four to one. But that does tell you the story as to the price Liverpool will be going into each yeah, of those be, games. Yeah, there'll be odds on in each of them. And the home games, you know, something like four to 11, you would imagine, in some of those. And so, yeah, I mean, we're going to be ones to beat next season and we're going to be favourites in pretty much every game bar maybe four. So I think, you know, that's that's the situation that we're, that we're going to be in. And Mo Salta scoring each of the first three games, West Ham, Crystal Palace and Brighton, seven to one. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Just because I think they might ease Mo back in, so, so I think I. I think I'll have a little uh, a little look and see what he does uh, between now and then. Uh, he won't. When I spoke to Jurgen Klopp at uh, at where were we? Barry, uh, the old kind of chat him all the time, don't you? Uh, yeah. Well, also I've been to a lot of preseason games. Um, <laughs> Uh, Barry, Would you say too many, John? No, it will be by the end. I'm on three at the moment. I'll be on seven by the time we're all done. Are you going to do Torino? No, I'm doing um, the the one in. You do Napoli? You've got no plans to do Torino? No, no, that that is silly. I mean, seven's enough. I feel. Okay. Seven's a lot of pre-season friendlies. Neil changes his schedule there. Um, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no chance. <laughs> I'm resigning from Torino, Neil. I will not be a Tor- I will not be torino yeah, for anybody. Yeah, no, no, no to Torino. Um, but it's, yeah, I think, I think he might, you know, so, we'll wait, but he, where, as I say, yeah, where was I? When, when I was talking to, when I was talking to Jürgen Klopp at Berry, he said that, 
you know, Mo Salah will go out to America, but don't necessarily expect to see him until maybe the final game. So that Ann Arbor one uh, will be will be when we'll see Mo certainly for for a reasonable amount of time. Uh, they might throw him out for five minutes in in, um, in New Jersey or something. So if you're looking at it like that, and then we come back and you know he might be thinking, is he is he maybe is he maybe one? I wouldn't expect to see the the, the front front three that we know and love in, in all three of those games and so there might be there might be a bit of rotation and he might only do two OK uh, I think that, 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 that's a valid point the other thing to point out on Red Bet if you do want to engage with it a lot of people engage with it through the golf uh, well a lot of people engage with golf through gambling I find uh, which is perfectly valid um, it's as good a reason as any to engage with golf what with it being golf uh, but that's also available loads of enhanced stuff around the open it is on Red Bet slash Fans Bet if you want to have a look at that and Dave Downey's been writing really good stuff for Fans Bet as well so if you get the opportunity check that out uh, this has been our little insert so yep you know where to get where to go before the start of the season if you want to have a look at a thing or two please do it with Red Bet if that's your sort of thing if it's not don't worry about it we'll leave you to it and get on with the other stuff Welcome back, Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons joined by Alex Bailey to talk about the exhibition that he's got at Central Library for the entirety of August. They're giving you a month. Yeah. A full month. Very kind of them. It is very kind yeah. of them to, to show your books. Uh, that you, Sorry, to show the the, photo, the photography you've done around the book, Simon Hughes's book, On the Brink. That's correct, yeah. Which is a book about, about football clubs being on the brink, about football clubs that are in different states of disrepair, the story around how clubs are. And, and I've seen some of these photographs Alex and you very much grabbed this idea that this could be the end of something for more clubs than we give credit for when we're Premier League focused Absolutely yeah I think the idea from um, Simon's point of view he's, he's uh, researched a lot about the economy the geography all the uh, you know the interlinked factions involved and um, I think he just wanted a sense of realism from, from an honest photographer which is you know I'm not going out to make the best photos in the world I'm just going there sensing what, what the situation is when I go to you know one of the grounds or you know w- w- one of the dates that we've got in the book and I'll just do what I feel at the time and hopefully it's uh, as, as Simon said offered a, a layer of realism to, to his book which is a, a massive compliment I suppose because he's such a you know a fine writer yeah, I mean the covers a shot of Burnley uh, it's 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 a, it's a brilliant shot isn't it and it, it sort of captures everything that's sort of you know fun about football is you know the, the, these guys coming off the ground or you know just full of joy of kind of of, of what they've just seen and being there and it's 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 funny that it is Burnley as well because I think they're the ones that have booked the trend of what's possible for a football club and they're the ones that kind of for a lot of these clubs is what keeps you going is we, we could be the next Burnley and so this this the book is great and it goes through football clubs from from you know from from Liverpool who were obviously a multi-millionaire company you know Champions League finalists right down to to kind of you know real places where there's budgets of a hundred pound a week for, yeah. for, for for players isn't there but it's it's the it's the success stories that seem to inspire people rather than the rather than the, the the failures putting people off if that makes sense that's right yeah it's a it's a, it's a massive cross section of you know as it is the most um you know um successful region in in football european football i think that yeah. that probably stands for in all the things that have been won and, and when you you see how hard the smaller clubs are trying to keep their heads above water you know the basic things that they've got going on right up to you know the very top tier the, the liverpools man cities and it's it's frightening that that even the big boys are on the brink, you know, as, as the title suggests, it's you're months away from a crisis, um, and a lot of that is to do with what part of the northwest they're in, and yeah. and, and the history of, the, of of that part, whether it's industry or you know it might be 
But you said you, you said that you know what you're doing is <clears throat> you are just going and capturing it. But I think that sort of talks to Dara because in the same way that Sai, and it's within the book, you know, he's very much it's it, it's got a genuine sense of place. Yeah. You know the northwest, and you know that you know these places that you're trying to capture. You know what Preston, Burnley, Accrington, Southport. You know these places. You've been there, and you know what you're trying to grab with these photographs. Yeah, it, it, as I say, it, it's a, it's an honest um, assessment at that point in time, and and we're, we're trying to. Well, I'm trying to capture people as well. I'm trying to capture the people in those places, um, and, and just a sense of the surroundings. And it's um, yeah, I, I think I think the pictures do speak for themselves. Um, and the stuff that's in the exhibition that isn't in the book as well. Some of the other stuff that you grabbed and took around the time. Yeah, we we, we had to trim down to something like thirty photographs. So it, it mainly concentrates on the north, the the, the closer to home clubs like obviously Liverpool, Everton, Tranmere, um, and, and a few of the other ones dotted in between. But things like there was a Sunday morning match down at Alder, I think is it Alder Sports Centre. It was an FA Cup. I forget what the actual competition was, but I was right in the middle of the change rooms beforehand. The poor lads didn't expect a fellow with a big camera to be there. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it, it was just a case of do what I can at the time, and and, and just you know, so you, you see that a very cold day, you know, the, the the very lowest sort of end of the scale, but it was almost the most enjoyable as well. So I, I'll, I just went there with a clear mind and see what I can pick up. Did it make you feel, you know, towards these clubs? Because, you know, we all follow big clubs. We get that about us. Hmm. But did it make you feel sort of th- th- when you were going through the process of it? This is not the, not, not not a more noble type of football because it's still right at its core, 11 against 11, no matter how much anyone gets paid. And you, you're not when you're, when you're being tackled by someone, you're not remembering, oh, it's all right, I'm on 100 grand a week. But did it make you sort of think, good Lord, that the, the stretch of the game is is enormous, that we, 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 we ignore that at our peril? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This this is um, you know the the very core of what everyone knows football to be, and it's 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 real. You know, people like us who are not getting paid an awful lot. The real, you know, this was a semi final, I think, and and they, they, you know, everything was at stake for them boys who were probably working hard all week. Yeah, going to this um, you know very very cold Sunday morning game, and you know, going into every tackle like their lives depend on it, and and it, it is a far cry from what you might see on the, the glossy screens of you know the Premier League and. It does. It does put put a sense of perspective on things, especially behind the lens. You know, you you, you see yeah. that you capture that, yeah. and when you when you're going through your post sort of process and editing, you know, you can sort of capture all that as well. It's great. And I think for, for the people who are running these football clubs and and what they're doing, you know, you think of the chairman of a football club and what he has to do, and then and then in the book there's the there's obviously the you know the extent of it and you think why are you doing all this and then they're oh, not yeah. sure why they're doing it all yeah, <laughs> doing yeah. it. it's just sort of happened and it's so they, they part keep of their, it's part of their routine and their love for what they do and and you know if, if, if one of those figures drops out there's a massive gap in a place yeah. like that you know it's it's, that's, it's serious for them uh, the exhibition is running all the way through August so you can go to the Central Library if you're listening to this you live in Liverpool get yourself over to Central Library peruse it for half an hour it is what is happening up and down the country every single week Alex has captured it it's there do check size book out as well on the brink a journey through English football's northwest it's on to Cooper and Publishers and if you're listening to this and you're not based in Liverpool but you're coming over for one of the, one of the games that we've got in August you know where the Central Library is it's a perfect thing to do before heading to Anfield whether the day before or on the day of the game itself so get yourself along have a lovely look and it'd also be great to see the library full of football supporters engaging with these pieces of work I think it's very very important indeed to tell the story of that's who we are 
I don't know if you're to drink while you do it. You love drinking in the library, don't you? <laughs> That's more of a late night thing. More of a late night thing. So, you know, try to try to be respectful. There might be people like me getting books for holidays, knocking around as well. But <laughs> enjoy it. Uh, cut loose. And do read the book. Do enjoy the photographs. Do enjoy the work. Thanks for Alex for coming in. And we're going to go back now. And well, well, we're going to talk about all the big clubs. God, aren't we hypocrites? Great to speak to Alex. Uh, that looks like an exhibition very much worth getting down to. And Cy Hughes's book is worth a read as well. Um, John mentioned before in part one, Paul, he mentioned the idea of our rivals. And it's rare to sort of be this far into a window. Maybe we feel it's rare, it isn't. Uh, but as Liverpool supporters and sort of thinking, we're doing all right here in comparison. Mm. I'm, I'm intrigued by what's happened to Manchester City around Jorginho. Yeah. And they feel a bit like us in that it's all very planned. So if the plans don't come together, I don't think they're into contingencies. And also, if you're there, Gaffer, you're going, yeah, we've got 100 points. Yeah. I'm not panicking. That's not how we work. You know, we don't need to. And mm. I've got loads of proof. You know, Chelsea just look plain odd at the minute. It does all seem a little bit, you know, we'll, we'll go on and talk about United, Spurs and Arsenal, but looking just at those two, even though Chelsea got Jorginho, things that they haven't quite progressed as they'd like. There's, they've made a couple of signings, but you get the impression that nothing's clean uh, for either of those clubs. Maybe it won't matter for City, but it might matter for Chelsea. Yeah, it, uh, well, I even go back to talking about our transfer business, I, I always say, generally, You've got to, everything's relative, so you can't just talk about things like this in isolation. It's all relative to how our rivals are performing, and relative to everyone else, we're we're absolutely smashing it. There's just no one at our level. And if, if I was one of our sort of boots on the other foot, if I'm one of our rivals, I'm looking at us like John was saying before, thinking they look they look like they mean business here. Che- Chelsea are just really really odd. Like, they, and it's and it's funny that the Jorginho thing seems to be the anomaly. Whereas in the past, the Jorginho thing was just that was Chelsea. That's what Chelsea do. Of course, they're going to trump. They're going to beat one of their their rivals to a, a top player. But it, whilst that's going on, they're also not coming against us for Allison, whether whether or not they wanted to. The stories, whether or not these are true, that if they lose Courtois, they'll get Czech. Then there's obviously Hazard coming out and saying, "I want to go." Effectively, yeah. they've got all the issues around the manager. They've got all the issues in the background about their owner and and what he's up to. So I just, I mean, Chelsea are generally an odd club. I was, I was saying to a mate the other day, I'm going to put a bet on them to win the league. Yeah, the, yeah, because this is what they do. They're, yeah. like, they're 25 to one or something, and we've seen this before where we go, oh, they're terrible, and then they, they just come and win it, yeah. and they get 100 points. So that's mad. The, the City thing, yeah, they, it, it all comes back to we got 100 points with the squad we've got. They don't need to buy a keeper. They don't need to buy a centre forward. They don't. So the Jorginho thing, I, I can imagine very much being, and, and the stories we all read were that they weren't very happy with that whole business but I can very much imagine Guardiola saying well it was only him I wanted and I'll stick with me lads who got me 100 points if if it's not forgetting him with a couple of other tweaks but the interesting thing is there's not that much time this year that's that's well, always the interesting one that is the key thing across the board the ticking clock John you mentioned before Spurs haven't done anything yet and they haven't done anything and basically they somehow managed to have 11 players their first 11 all involved in the last weekend of the World Cup <laughs> which was some trick and, and says and talks about the quality that they've got but they, you know they've, it says that the knock-on effect is, is it could well be significant and you are just sort of I mean Levy likes to leave stuff late we've seen that in the past but you got the impression, for instance, when he nailed Pochettino down to a new contract, it had been this idea of, well, we can't go on like this. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, it does look a bit like going on like this. Yeah, and it's a bit of a surprise, really. And I think Kane looks to me like uh, he could do with a really decent break. And I know uh, Cybrundis did some stats on Twitter, which is around his, his sprints per game and the, and, the, and the write down on what they were sort of 12 months ago. And that's not to say that... 
you know, he's, he's not still a good player. And that's not to say the players don't adapt and maybe he was running around too much when he was a kid. I don't know. But but it is noticeable that you're thinking, with, you know... He, he's had a long season. Exactly. He's had a long season. He's asked to do a lot there up on his own. It's punishing being up front on your own. You're getting volleyed all over the place. And, he doesn't and, get supped. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, he's looking at relying on the same lads not just week in week out but year in year out can it, it can start to take the toll and it just feels like something needs freshening up a little bit of Tottenham and I understand why all the focus has been on keeping hold of the belters because they've lost so many over the years and you know they're, they're, they're pinning the hopes on that but that can't be all your energy you know it needs to be kind of about solving problems and, and things like that as well and so I don't know why they haven't why they haven't done anything at all I, I, I'm sure it's linked some way to the new stadium and, and the spiralling cost there because it's cost sort of double uh, what it's ended up doing which they just always do don't they like they just need oh. to start doubling them estimates yeah. you know I mean Everton reckon they're getting theirs for about 250 no, or something it, do you know what makes me laugh about that like it, it's it's literally like the builders that everybody gets in their normal life there's yeah. no change <laughs> when you spend 800 million on a stadium it doesn't change yeah, it's like but yeah. you told me it was only going to be 20 quid well <laughs> <laughs> yeah Things came up. Yeah. Uh, oh, we yeah. didn't put the vats on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, United seems somehow a little bit still. You well, know, Marino's this week's mad, isn't he? Like he said, they've had an awful pre-season. They haven't played anyone yet. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's surely just down to you, Jose. Like, like, you're literally in control of it to this yeah, point. It's been bad, very bad. Like, well, what? What what bit? Did they just bit. all turn up and look at the show? Yeah. And just had to cancel it. Yeah. We went to Manchester, we had to cancel it. They're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued by by, you know, the, in general United because again it's the same as Chelsea. You're looking at them and there's there's an eighty points, eighty five point squad there, the players who were there, even if they lost one or two, which United Chelsea might, but United might not. Mm. You're able to look at it, but I'm just sort of going I'd expected, I'd expected a little bit more. I think Fred coming and come, come in and make a significant difference for them alongside Matic. You can imagine a solid base. Pogba, if he you know bounces out of the World Cup playing close to Lukaku, Lukaku looked great. You know, there's 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 a, there's a world where. Pogba gets 20 goals and 20 assists and Lukaku gets 30 and we're talking about how brilliant they've been that world is possible and that world yeah. can exist Paul but you just uh, you, you expect I expected an explosion from United and Mourinho and whether it's just at the minute playing a bit of games but there's been no explosion here yeah but I'm I'm sort of at the point and it'd be interesting because we always got we've got mates who are United fans and be interested to get their sort of pulse on all this because it, it just seems a bit miserable doesn't it like I can't, I can't imagine them bouncing anywhere. I mean, it, when you talk about them, all the players come back to pre-season training, I can imagine them all sort of trudging in, thinking, yeah. oh, here we are again. And then Marino, the first thing Mourinho says is, this isn't going very well, is it, lads? <laughs> and they're all like, God, are we starting this already? <laughs> <laughs> and and if, I think it all feels very much like that. Even the players they sign, you're like, well, who's bothered? Like, I, even Fred, I'm like, are they excited about that? We're, we're literally it's buying... It's hard to be excited about Fred. Exactly, and we're, we're buying these lads. And you, He's called Fred. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Like, just that in, in itself. My fullback's injured, isn't he? And then they've signed, I don't know, like a third cheese keeper, haven't they? Oh yeah, they've got a yeah, they've got Les a Grant Lee Grant from Stoke. Yeah, Les, Grant. Lee Grant, <laughs> Les Grant. Les, Les Grant plays the barbecue in Crosby every time. <laughs> <laughs> under a under a suit. Um, the one that already runs the taxi company in Cody. Um, the one that grabs me is uh, the one that the one that does grab me is Arsenal done bits under the radar, yeah. uh, and I think Lucas Torrio looks like a good signing for them. They've already got the centre forward to their Arsenal. The, you can talk about 
the abundance of attacking midfielders. You do think he's come in with a bit of a plan, and he's my the slightly dark horses for me at the moment. Arsenal, yeah, very much so. When when you talk about what people are doing relative to everybody else, I think I think other teams who haven't done anything and are in danger of compl- have, have having completely written off Arsenal as a bit of a laughing stock now. And I, I think there's a huge danger that they've actually still got a lot of good players. They've got a good new manager coming in who's a good manager with a good record who could instill more fun and just winning and clean sheets and fitness fitness absolutely and, and the fans have got to be positive next year as well because they've, they've wanted this yeah. yeah so they've sort of like it's, it's on their heads a little bit isn't yeah. it which I'm fine with because I sort of like a bit of fan power but still they, they I mean they, you know they can't you've always got to be positive and you've got to be patient yeah I couldn't agree more and, and well that's a that's a that's a big thing for them isn't it because everywhere else you look like we we seem to have been the most unified we've been for a long time as a club and a, as a fan base. Chelsea, th- there must be issues down there with people arguing with what's going on. United, bit of misery going on. City have always just been a bit mad as a fan base. I still th- I still genuinely think there's fifty percent of their fan base would prefer it if they were in League Two because <laughs> it was it was just more comfortable for them. They're just used to that. But then Arsenal, yeah, just having him in and bringing in a couple of players who are a bit like the Lucas thing is interesting because it's one of those players who you don't know that much about. Yeah. They, they could buy the equivalent of him from England and it wouldn't be exciting. It's, it's our issue with Shakiri, basically. Someone asked me this on Twitter the other day. Yeah, buying the lad you don't know is more, it's more romantic and more exciting. So they, they've got that thing they can get behind and it could unite everyone because they've got no reason to be arguing in the stands anymore. It is striking. The other thing that's striking as well is the transfer window closing early and the fact that it's been a World Cup year. Uh, for those of us who are optimists, it's worth pointing out that uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, wins his first title with Borussia Dortmund in the 2010-11 season uh, immediately after the World Cup. For those who are pessimists, it's worth referring to the fact that Klopp's worst season as a manager <laughs> was 2014-15 uh, as Dortmund manager when they were bottom at Christmas. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's a... There's they won a, a cup, though. They won a cup. They won a cup. <laughs> like, would you take that? Probably, yeah. Bottom at Christmas, win a cup in the Yeah, bottom at Christmas, win a cup, finish seventh. I would say, well, it's great January to May. Yeah. Uh, we come alive. And lads. that members' sale in the second half of the season would be a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the members' sale in the days and weeks to come on the Anfield wrap. But Liverpool have played uh, Blackburn Rovers last night. I was there with Paula Murphy and with Mo Stewart, and this was our immediate reaction. Thanks for listening. After the Blackburn game, Neil Atkinson, I've got Mo Stewart, Paula Murphy and Kevin Murphy with me. On the day that Alisson becomes a Liverpool player, Mo, Naby Keita announces himself as a Liverpool player. That was some performance in the second half. It may only be against Blackburn. They may have made a few changes, but he looked head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. That's what you want, though, isn't it? I mean, we know it's pre-season and we know, like you say, there's caveats with the team and the opposition. You want someone to go on the pitch and command it and know that they feel that they're better than everyone else and to be able to show it. And it wasn't just what he did, but it was how the rest of the team reacted to what he was doing that was so pleasing. Because his uh, link-up with Sturridge, it seemed really good straight away, but then there were partnerships building with Fabinho, even with young Curtis Jones. And he seemed to be able to, like I say, he was like a magnetic field that brought everyone into place around him. It was great. Kevin, we've just come straight out from the game to talk about it. It is worth saying that almost as every touch, you know, you could see him winning tackles, you could see him pulling the ball out of the air, you could see him playing great passes. It was only really the one shot from distance yeah. where he miscued. Everything else he did was spot on. Yeah, he was very, very impressive, I'll say. Seeing him in the flesh first time, really pleasing. He's actually a bit smaller than he actually looks when he played last season. And I think he lost one header where the guy just basically out jumped him. But as you say, apart from that, his touch was good. It was His first touch was really 
precise. He's looking to expand the game where he can. As closing down, as I say we we discussed the second half and the fact that they went up it through the gears. The closing down was much better, and we made Blackburn uncomfortable, put them in positions didn't want to be in, and he was very impressive. And the, the second half performance was really, really good, very promising. He loved Sturridge's movements, Paula. He could see every single time he knew where Sturridge was, almost without looking up. It was that Sturridge also knew if this guy's got the ball at his feet, all I've got to do is, is, is look to get a little bit of space, he'll find me. I was genuinely surprised how well they actually played together because it looked like quite the established partnership. And what really impressed me with with Keita is as he was moving forward, he was really unlocking the front front players and I didn't say front three deliberately because there were so many people pushing forwards and trying to get in the box um, he just did such a great job to the point where he was the difference in the two goals in the second half and he, he just was really commanding impressive and precise with everything it's got a little burst of pace as well, Mo. That was the thing, one of the things I was noticing. That this sort of thing where suddenly his legs just move a lot faster. And, you know, it's, it's almost, almost like, I mean, the Tour de France on at the moment, almost like a cyclist who's, who's good on the mountains, who looks as though, you know, just, just ups his cadence a little bit and pulls away effortlessly. Yeah. And you saw that a few times during the, during the second half. And that also opened the defence up. It does. And it reminds me a little bit of, um, Sadio Mane because he, it's not even just about the speed. It's about the timing of when he increases the speed and he knows that time when the defender's kind of like he's half on his heels he's half looking around half try, turning yeah, yeah trying to predict what he's going to do next and while he's, his mind is thinking he's already off in the other direction and if we can get to a situation where our team knows when he's going to do it and their team doesn't then that's going to become even more of an advantage it's other stuff that stood out in the, in, from the uh, from the, the the second half, especially the first half, the missed penalty and hitting the bar aside, Liverpool were a bit turgid, Paula. Other thing that stood out in that second half was Sturridge. He's he looked head and shoulders ahead of anyone else who played in the front three positions in either half, and just looked head and shoulders ahead by virtue of of the intelligence and again a little bit of ability to get his body ahead of defenders and just ease away from them, even though he doesn't look like he's got the pace he used to have. His movement off the ball was really cute as well today. I, I, I deliberately just switched off everyone else and just looked at him for a while. And I, I really thought that I know he's been out, I know he's been injured, I know he went to West Brom and virtually the first game he played, they, they took him off after a few minutes. But that's not what we saw today. We saw someone who was mentally very, very switched on. Physically, he looks lean and he looks ready for action. And his ability to see other players and bringing in Markovic and bringing in Curtis Jones and sort of really being mobile around the front of that attack was just thinking, wow, wow, we've we've got some competition here where we thought we might not have. Curtis Jones got to mention there and it was a really good, solid second half from him, understood his place in the team, understood what he was there to do, Kevin. Yeah, Um, his decision making was good, as you say. Um, he, He knew when to just give it back simple or play it back inside he could also see that little run, the little pass and he, as I say he could take the defender away from where he wanted to be to give the likes of Sturridge and the others a bit of bit of, bit of space to turn and get the head up and look and he was very very impressive and as, as we say we think this guy could actually turn out to be a little bit of a extra bonus for us this season, if, say we're looking at Carabao Cup, FA Cup maybe early rounds 
um, and he could really push for the place on that on that sort of right hand side, sort of starting to to give the other guys a little bit of something to think about. Um, other one that stood out from the first half, Mo, was Lalana. Sharp, I think it's fair to say. Uh, not everything was coming off for him, and it was partially because of what was around him. But he was—he seemed to be at the crux of the the few things Liverpool did well in the first forty-five yeah. minutes. He was the only one in that first half who felt like he had the confidence to know that he was better than the opposition, and he was able to show it. He seemed like he was fully in control of what he was trying to do. There was a couple of times where he basically did one of his little Alana turns and then looked up and looked ahead of him, and neither Solanke or Origi had started their runs yet. So we just kind of kept hold of the balls, just trying to make sure we kept possession, turned it over, played it out simple when necessary. So again, very competent um, performance from him. I would like to see what he would have done with the rest of the second half team because, like I say, that that kind of cohesion and the sync was really missing in that first half team. If any of them were there trying to say we deserve a spot in the first team, then that wasn't really a good day for them. It wasn't, but it has been a good day for Liverpool. An excellent win against Blackburn Rovers. Liverpool have also signed Alisson, as well as we covered earlier on in the show. So thank you very much to Motopola and to Kevin. And from earlier in the show, thank you very much indeed to John, to Paul, to Alex and to Ian for all coming and talking to us about various matters pertaining to Liverpool Football Club and things that are going on at the moment. Uh, it's been a special City Talk this week. Very much hope you've enjoyed it. It's an exciting time to be a Liverpool supporter. All the stuff you need about the US Tour will be available to you on the Anfield wrap. Just go to the Anfield Rap.com or check out our social media channels we'll be back speaking to Steve Hothersall on Tuesday morning with a special little mini recorded thing and we'll do something from the United States for you next Friday on Radio City Talk but if you can't wait before then it's theanfieldrap.com you know all this by now but you know let's just double check Sports Social Podcast Network